All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of Snakes on the Diamond, your best, the best baseball show concerning the Arizona Diamondbacks, and where we're going to be breaking down yesterday's frustrating loss to the Dodgers, and we'll also talk about some other topics if we have time for that as well, so anyways, you can follow me. Is it a good morning, though, Michael? That's what I got. Sorry, I have to interject. Follow us on on Twitter slash X. He's uh, Michael McDMLB. I'm at Byer Wesley. You can also follow us on Facebook now. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, leave a comment, and hit that notification button so you get news of our latest videos coming out. Um, you'll get upcoming notice as soon as we actually have the you know the stream schedule. We don't always get it up in a fast enough time, but we will get it 20 to 30 minutes before we go live. 10, 10 o'clock until we ain't. 10 a.m. every day until we ain't. That's their yep. schedule. So yeah, getting is it is it a good morning? Um yesterday's game was I mean, there's positives there, but uh overall it's a loss and this is a big negative. I would say that they definitely competed, though that's a step up from expectations. Yeah, um it definitely it looked I mean, if not for the home run in the ninth, that would have gone into extra innings. Um, like, there's signs of life. That's positive. Let's, you know, let's start with positives there. Yesterday's game is Fott had another uh, solid got start. Ni- not I kind of trouble in the fifth. got nickel and dimed in that one inning. Yeah. Yeah. I really, he was solid up until the fifth. Like, yeah. that's kind of, he was, he was the Fott that we saw uh, in his previous start. Uh, definitely. Totally should trade him right now. He's a bust. No, he's making real progress. Uh, it does not help him, and it does not help your focus as a pitcher when your offense is doing nothing. Um, yeah, like you said, nickel and dimed uh, fifth, fifth inning. Uh, really, that's uh, not the best outcome you like to see, but still, like signs of life from what you know we were two starts ago. You know, so, yeah. You look at so you look at that fifth inning, and it's like there was a call, there was a borderline call that then goes way on a two-two count. He ended up walking out middle on the next pitch. And then after, yeah, they, and then a ground ball hit up the middle. Ahmed was able to get to it, got the out at second base, but then misfired the first on the throw, trying to rush a throw to first base. Although, I think that was a case you, where Walker needed to come off the bag to ensure he didn't lose. 90 can you feet. pull up the umpire scorecard from last night? I think this is worth knowing. The, the officiating yeah, was, it was a pretty bad. It was a lot worse than I thought it would bad. be. Bad. Yeah, it was a bad umpire scorecard. Uh, that definitely doesn't help matters at all. So. Um, some neg- I think you know if there was better officiating, we might have actually won that that game last night. I think it's very notable that uh, our old friend Freight Train, who went over the oh, Dodgers. By the way, this um scorecard's going def- <laughs> to probably kill the narrative, other than the accuracy. Possibly, yeah. I probably not. I don't. I don't. I looked at it briefly before we. Uh, I mean, he got lucky on a few calls. Oh, I am on the wrong page. I am blowing up StreamYard instead of the... Uh... Uh, there we go. Okay. This is all we need to know. All right. So yesterday, Adrian Johnson was... Uh... The accuracy was 2% below expected, but the overall favoring of each team was pretty close to zero plus 0.15 for the Diamondbacks. Well, the consistency was pretty bad. 
Yeah, obviously. I mean, the narrative I'm going with that consistency thing because it's basically a guess. I mean, for a pitcher like Fott, having an inconsistent, uh, you know, balls and strike call, it doesn't help you because you can't count on, you know, like you're getting trying to get a pitch on the, you know, that's just just hits the corner. It's very hard to like, okay, do I know if it's actually going to be a strike or is he going to call a ball? You know, like that's the thing that you like, even if it kind of goes in the Diamondbacks favor, if you, you know, you're looking at this plus. 0.15 to the Diamondbacks, uh, it doesn't help you, especially for a control pitcher like Fox. So I think that is a factor. How much? Probably not that much, but enough that it it frustrates me to see. You know, you'd like to see better officiating than that. What I want to know is what was this pitch? Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, I would say the biggest miss, the biggest missed call was the three two pitch that Castro dotted the edge of the uh, through that comeback sinker to Outman, but the ump didn't buy it. I mean, sorry, yeah, that the, uh, outside edge. Yeah, that was sorry, probably the most impactful because Outman ended up walking, stole a base, and scored what was ultimately the uh, insurance run that allowed the Dodgers to win. Like that, that's how that doesn't go against my narrative that I was saying earlier at all. Is that like officiating definitely this would have been a tie game? 2 1 was going the uh, first batter of the game where he called a fastball that hit Carson's glove. Well, Carson didn't move his glove to catch that ball, so it probably fooled the umpire. That was a good, and that was a good frame job by Kelly, obviously, based on results. But from what I remember seeing, it was I don't remember the glove moving at all. I mean, I don't either, so. Uh, offensively, I think uh, I li- I really like seeing that pinch and triple by uh, Alec Thomas. That was oh, uh, on a. Gr- oh, I don't like the quality of contact, but it worked out. It was a it was a bouncer that got down the right into the right field corner. Just the energy of it. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, for him personally, I'm sure that is like just get that extra confidence boost. He'll you know that hopefully he can take going into this Padre series coming up. But I like to see that Carson Kelly, uh, you know, as much as we knocked him, he did reach base twice. So reach base a third time. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Could have reached base a third time. Uh, I'm very frustrated with uh, Nick Ahmed. Won't even go there. Uh, Corbin the Carroll. All the game last night in terms of. Yeah. That's- velocity. So, yeah, Thomas's triple had an XBA of 220. Although the ball was hit just under 100 miles an hour. Although it was another rollover. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's just nice to see, like, he's kind of felt like a guy who's had bad luck in terms of his ball in play. And, like, that's a nice little, uh, hope, hopefully that opens the floodgates of uh, being a little lucky for him. So, yeah, uh, you, look at the, you look at the two innings that the D-backs scored. Carson Kelly drew a four-pitch walk, and then Marte hit a um, pretty routine line drive to left field, going the other way. Corbin Carroll, uh, a Luis Arise-type single. And then Pham defeated single to center, and then uh, Pham ended up def- uh, beating the shift. So Pham rolled a ground ball to the right side with the second baseman playing up the middle. 
And then Walker blooped the ball in the right field. Although it had an XBA of 600, so it was more likely to be a hit than not. And that's what happened in the eighth inning. Ninth inning, Perdomo does his thing, draws walk. Thomas, ground ball gets, hard hit ground ball gets past Freeman for a triple. And then Marte rips a line drive in the right, uh, rips in the right center. That gets, uh, makes it 5-4. Now you got Carroll at the plate with a chance. If he can get, if he can make salt, if he can make, uh, if he can get on the barrel, you win type game. But unfortunately, yeah. in that case, uh, Carroll ended up rolling o- rolling over the first base and not running it out until Freeman had already got the ball. Yeah, he kind of forgot who he was and what he does there for a second, which, you know, I'm ADD. I do that all the time. So, you know, I can't knock him for that. But it's kind of – you wonder if he's going to uh, – do you think he's going to be benched today for his uh, – mental laps lapses in yesterday's game do you think i do you think he needs a break kind of seems like he just needs it like honestly needs it to like schedule a day off uh, kind of like an off day perhaps. yeah i really think he could use that at this point this is getting in there and you know the most games he's played uh we we're talking about like as long as we're in the season for some of these guys this is the most baseball that they've had if unless they were college players and uh you know, it's you think I'd like to think that he just needs a day off. Um, Only 20 days from uh, Carroll being a big leaguer for a full calendar year. Yeah, that's uh, I think we're at the point where you can look at his full season of stats. I think he has he played 162 games yet. I think he has. No, not quite. No, full calendar year. How oh, yeah, full calendar year. yeah, you're right. So he's he's getting there, though. I mean, this is. Let's actually look at that number. Yeah, I'm looking at how many games played right now. I'm not going to look at war, by the way. No, we're just looking. No, he's played 141 games. So that's like basically almost a full season of of games. Which, hey, great results for, you know, a first, you know, just like, I mean, okay, so that's, if he hadn't had that, that, the, the, the knee injury, he'd actually be at like 150 games, I think. The knee injury only cost him two, including days off. Maybe one. So he's getting not as much. He's getting there, not as much as I think. I know. Carroll hasn't really missed any games. I mean, the D backs have played 114, and he's played in 109. Okay, so yeah, he's. I would. I would call for maybe two of them. I would call 147 games a full season. Uh, For a guy like Like, Carroll, I think 150. More so yeah, okay. So we're about two weeks away from him being in his, uh, you know, where we can. Just, I think that's. A, I mean, that's that's an excellent. Basically, that my point to all this. The 29th, since it'll be the one year anniversary of his debut. I, I mean, I think it's an excellent. Like, so far, you can't ask for a better. You know, what you've seen from him. I mean, I, one thirty six uh, OPS plus. Uh for his career so far, which is like, that's, that's really good for a guy who, you know, flew through the minor leagues after an injury. Uh, what was that tweet? You know, he's really, I got really just, uh, Carol. I think he, I mean, he really does seems like he needs a day off. I mean, we've seen him 
you know, enough, like it's close to a full season that you know what you're going to get out of him. He seems a little tired and fatigued, just like his, his energy to me. I, I, I'd hope just like a day off would help that, you know. Maybe he doesn't actually have to spend 24-7 focusing on baseball and I could do something else for a day. It might be good for him. Go to the water park or something. So this is kind of interesting. I just This just popped up on my Twitter, type, uh, Twitter notifications, but we're going to show this. Uh, let's see how I can do this. You can open the image and then blow it up. This is going back to the topic of Brandon Fott. If we're kind of freestyling it today. Both of us woke up a little late, so we're just playing it by ear. Uh, stupid mouse won't let me get to the top of this graphic. So interestingly enough, and we don't put too much emphasis on X stats, but uh, since Fott got called up on July 22nd, Fott has the lowest expected weighted on base average, or X Wobo, we like to call it. Since, uh, of 256. And of course, like I said, like I said, uh, last night he got nickeled and dimed, like a blooper fell in the gap, like a softly hit line drive, perfectly split Carol and Guriel last night on the, uh, that's double wasn't, even though it was a fastball down the middle pitch location wasn't good, but Betts didn't necessarily put a good swing. Didn't get to put his best swing on it. Either. I think with a little bit more range of your left fielder, you might have had a shot at that ball. Now, of course, Gray yeah, is still the D-back's second-best outfielder. It's just a little bit of bad luck there. You know, I mean, that's kind of – this is a lot right there that he uh, – like Yeah, he basically – To translate – baseline. To translate what this means, if you're not really that familiar with advanced statistics, is that he has been very uh, – what's his ERA – Right now, the ERA is probably not going to look too slightly. But. I mean, it's really he's been unlucky. Uh, just that the expected on base average means that, like, like based on his numbers, uh, based on quality contact, on, based on quality, quality contact, contact. That's the on base average you'd expect against him. And in reality, it's I don't know how much of a difference it is based on one uh, points. 41 point. That's actually, that's significant. All right. So if you look at his last four starts, 424 ERA, FIP 490. But like I said, that's because look, uh, you could argue regression. Although I think if Fott stops giving up homers, his FIP is going to drop like a stone. That's yeah. That's his biggest knock. X. It's you got to look at the X, X FIP in Fott's case, perhaps. Although I think, the key for Fott is either to miss bats or reduce the quality of contact. Like yeah. XERA after that game dropped like two, dropped quite a lot. Exit before 84. So, but he's a bum. He's a bum, and we should DFA him. He's no good. We shouldn't give him a chance. We shouldn't ever give rookie players a chance, Michael. We should just DFA them if they don't throw a no hitter in their first game. Yeah, I think we, I think with Fott, we got 10 starts, whereas you look at Ryan Nelson, who's got 25. You can make a much broader evaluation of Nelson just, compared to Fott. Okay, now that I have his numbers in front of me, his ERA is like over seven right now, but, you know, his XFIP is 
4.8 for the full three runs lower, which is dramatic. His, his, just his FIP is a run lower. I mean, it's like nine is 0.9 lower and his XERA is two runs lower. So you can really expect progression, like positive regression with him. I think that I don't think he's a bust. I think that he's finally kind of, he's turning around. It does not help that the offense hasn't been showing up. There's been, you know, mental lapses in defense. Um, but I think long-term, he's got a future with the team. Bob's really kind of proven that. I hope other fans see that, uh, you know, you've got something there. He's not a guy I would necessarily trade away unless it's for, like, a clear upgrade to the rotation that has multiple years of control. There's no way I would trade away right now. I don't think other you're gonna than get that. A, I don't think you're going to be able to trade fought for a pitcher who has a higher ceiling. Yeah, I don't think you can. A controllable pitcher with a higher ceiling. You might as well hold on to him. Yeah, you might as well. So, so, the, so the thing with him does, is, so yeah, the thing with Fod is trying to reduce the quality of contact, and obviously you look at the X woba. It's going, it's happening, and that's what the strikeout rate that's about league average over his last four starts twenty two percent versus a walk rate of four percent. Strikeout minus walk rate of almost eighteen percent. That's a pretty good number. If that, tr- and we know strikeout and walk rates tend to translate the most year to year. Like if you can, yeah, if you can maintain these numbers, I think he'll be fine. I agree. I I really I see the potential in him now. The first, his first couple starts were very frustrating. I I understand you know where people are coming from. You know, think he's a bum. I really the only thing that you know really, uh, you worry about is the home run percentage. Like the amount the amount of home runs he gives up is. But I mean, it's like he's limiting the damage though. With a, with an on base average that low, you're not going to give up that many runs if you're just giving up a solo run, home run here and there. So, um, I mean, his numbers are starting to look, look a lot more like they did last season. His walks are coming down. Um, the home rate, I, the home run rate's going to come down. I do not think he's going to carry uh, a two point five home run nine uh, home run through. For, for like for his whole career, I don't think I think you can expect about a run low, you know, at least a, you know, like about a run lower than that is what you'd expect based off of his last year. Although to be fair, he did have carry a home run nine over three in Double uh, A in 2021, but uh, he did come back. 33 to, innings though. Yeah, only 33, 33 innings, and he. Last year brought it down to that's a one two in the following yeah, season. Yeah, so, so he literally halved his home run rate. I mean, three point six down to uh, yeah, what? Yeah, he halved his home run rate. So I think that's really there's 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 good positive signs here. Even if this was a loss yesterday, um, you see the offense is showing signs of life. Uh, thought looks like he's actually something. You can reasonably expect that home run per nine to probably reduce to about one five one six career wise. So, we yeah, that's what I expect. We have to figure out. It's like now, it's just figuring out. Okay, how can you be successful with that level of home run production? I mean, that's that's still high, but it's not like that's workable. Uh. You know, if he brings that down, I mean, he's a, he's a solid middle of the rotation starter. If he can do that, he got swing and miss stuff. Like, 
He's not dominant stuff. As we can, for, as we saw, his curveball is better than people think. He just doesn't use it enough. And of course, he started using. He's getting some pretty. He's starting to get a lot more whiffs on the pitch. I wonder what his stat cast page looks like now. Yeah, you you really called that. Uh, his this last game, he was throwing a lot more curveballs in like the right situations, and it's very uh, encouraging signs for him. Yeah. Like you, you call that Michael. So kudos to you. Uh, but like well, I said, po- I positive saw signs here. Like, I have a bullpen and it had the snap. I was looking, it had the shape I was looking for in a curveball. You've the, seen it work. You've seen it working is really the key here is you've seen it working. You've seen it. Uh, you've seen him get results in the minor leagues. If you, you actually, I think you covered actually, the majority the of he wasn't the using his curveball last that much. year when we were writing about him. I think. No, I did actually. Yeah, that's because it doesn't work in Reno. That does you can't the pitch doesn't work in Reno, and you know that, Michael. <laughs> but seeing it in person, it's like he's got it's a great curveball. If he can incorporate like he did, 42 you know, percent and a put away percent of twenty five percent. But like I said, his last two starts, you're seeing swing and miss on that. Yeah, he's he's like I said, he, from his start uh, prior to this last one, like he's got dominant stuff. He could be better than a middle rotation starter if he can just. Reduces home run rate. I think he really also needs to do and you know get the use that curveball as a put away pitch when he can. Yes, and the ground ball rate. Uh, there's just little things, and he could be very dominant. What's well, not uh, going to be a ground so, ball pitcher? No, he's a fly ball pitcher. You want to see? Want that, yeah, you want to see it at forty. If you can get it to forty yeah. percent, I think that's going to reduce the home run significantly. I think this is a team that he, I mean, he's probably got one of the best, uh, like the outfield defense yesterday. Like they, he just got, that's just unlucky. It happens. Sometimes the balls just fall in between, you know, if there was a better defender there. Yeah. It's, it is a matter. I mean, it just, you have a great defender already there in Carroll. Um, if he's not getting to it, then it's just, a, it's bad luck. Yeah, that less, there's been a lot of balls getting in. If there's one hole in the D-backs, no fly defense, it's that left center field gap is a little leaky. Yeah, it feels like I've noticed a lot of, a lot of uh, balls falling in there. And you can run a um, little bit. That gets into my last point in yesterday's game. Is we did not see the amount of stolen base attempts that you like to see. But then again, they had like no base runners, so it's going to move They couldn't build an inning until the eighth inning. Yeah, their only offense, the closest thing to offense in the first seven innings was Carson Kelly hitting a four hundred foot, out, a three hundred and eighty foot out with a runner on base. Yeah, it was that uh, freight train oh, robbing that. It, okay, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts okay. seeing David Peralta betray us by signing with a different team, even though like he's totally entitled to do that. He can do whatever he wants because he's a grown man. But still, it hurts now, Michael. I see freight train robbing down balls and. You know, actually being a productive hitter this year, I know some fans probably when they were last paying attention, Peralta was a below average hitter, but he has remarkably turned it around. Well, it's been great signing, pretty average great signing, ever. great signing by the Dodgers uh, this offseason. That's one of the things that like these kind of moves we need to see the D-backs make. I mean, I just feel like uh, they need to like shift their strategy or something with the free agent signings because what they're doing now is not working. I don't know how you. It's like shifting strategy. It's like basically they're taking gambles, and that's all they can afford is gambles. Yeah, 
I mean, it's uh, it's it kind of just a very frustrating thing for I think everyone. This it day. just feels like no matter what move, it kind of feels like it's like no matter what move they make, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it to some extent. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, and we're at the point where you can't you can't play it safe anymore. No, they they need much more aggressive. You can save the future, but not it won't be your future. You can keep the future, but you won't be the one benefiting from it. They really need to take a much more aggressive approach in acquiring like proven talent. Yeah, like that's my real like takeaway. That means guess what? Put. Putting in a bid for a guy like Atani that is an aggressive bid and or, you know, whomever. It means putting yourself like, you know, they really the Dynamaxes need to take a better approach to switch, get free agents to sign here. Because like, clearly they, they had like, we'll throw money on a Granky or, or a Bumgarner or uh, and like I, that money can be much better served if they, you know, actually like, like go after a guy like Atani who would be worth it. I mean, I know that's not going to happen. Um, uh, problem is you'll like, have it. get the same deals in Arizona as you would get in bigger markets. Yeah. I mean, the only real thing a Arizona has going for it is that they're it's a young competitive team that like has talent is you know, not Tony that far away from being overshadowed. It would be like having a, and Carol would be almost like having trout. Yes. You, it's, it'd be another thing. I mean, literally that's one of the reasons I'd say is he's got Corbin Carroll. He's, Basically, in my opinion, looking like the Mike Trout of the next decade. Uh, nah, hopefully, that's Julio Rodriguez. hopefully, hopefully. Well, okay, NL. I don't know who you 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 throw him in, but I mean, in terms of center field talents, it, it, him and uh, Julio Rodriguez are very talented. Will probably be like those are the two most talented position players right now that are young that are uh, they're under team control for a long time. I would look at that. The tax rate is significantly lower in Arizona than it is in uh, California, uh, Washington, any of the West Coast teams. It'd be the lowest here, other than yeah, but make, uh, but, Texas. But like, I don't, I want. I, do do I don't see him signing with Texas, Texan, Texas team. I, I don't. Or, I mean, like either way, the Rangers or Astros. I don't see him. Si- Actually, Houston. Yeah, I can see the Rangers signing. Yeah, Houston's the bigger market. I mean, if we're looking at West, if if, if his criteria is just West Coast teams, I think the Diamondbacks team. LA and Seattle. Maybe San Francisco. Those are the two. LA and Seattle. Uh, yeah, so those are... Then. Yeah, it's LA, Seattle, San Francisco. I think the Diamondbacks actually could put a competitive bid in for him. If he's, or if he's excluding the East Coast teams, we know Steve Cohen's going to make a dramatic bid for him. Like, I really expect him to basically put a blank check in front of him and say, okay, how much is this going to take? I mean, here's the, he's worth I mean, it. He's worth. He's worth it. Here's. And it's not a question of on-field talent, but the question is, can Otani make more money in L.A. or Seattle, a big market, a big market like Los Angeles or a market that's or a city that's pretty has a pretty storied history with Japanese players in Seattle? Yeah. You talk about the same thing with L.A. Same thing with L.A. Would he get the same? Would he get the same endorsement endorsement deals as a Diamondback as he would playing for those teams? Of course he would. I don't think it's I think it's relevant same, what team he signed with. I think the real thing is is looking at the tax differences state on state taxes. He would uh, we could the same bid here would be worth like ten to fifteen percent more uh, 
I mean, we're 10 to 50. I mean, it's just, it would have more value after taxes than a deal in Washington or California is really like my point there is he could make just, I mean, the Dimax could sign him for less money than a California or, you know, Seattle would, and he could be making the same amount of money uh, after taxes. If they'd sign him, you know, there's an equivalent value there. I forget the exact uh, difference, but I know they did that with, uh, where did I hear about that with the tax rate? Because I know this is a, a recent thing where, where it's been thrown out, like some players been swayed over to like the Rangers have used that aggressively to sign some of their, their players. That was a difference maker. I'm pretty sure for, uh, I could be wrong. And the Astros taxes based on where they play. Well, yes, it's where they play, but they play half their but games in, in Arizona. Yeah, it's still 81. So, I mean, that's the difference there. I mean, it's probably like 10, 10 to 20% difference. Uh, and if you live in Arizona, then you're paying state, you're paying, uh, what? State income tax, property tax, and all that. Yeah. Property I, I taxes just, in Texas are pretty high. That's the main thing, actually, in Texas is that the, the property taxes are, are outrageous. So, I mean, I think that's really the, the, the point here is that the Diamondbacks are not as like, it's not as crazy as you would think for a guy like him to sign here. If he's just looking at West Coast teams, he wants a competitive team. Like I said, losing sucks. And you're talking about signing a guy like Otani. Well, yeah, stuff like property tax probably doesn't matter, but it could factor in because if you're going to a team for 10 years, you buy a house. Yeah, that does you're matter. Not, you're not um, staying in a rental place for 10 years clearly he has his mom handle his money like he literally is just like here mom here's my money she gives him an allowance do what he wants he doesn't even spend that much money um so money is not a priority for him yeah but, like so that's, that's how I that's, how, that's how i read that that's i th- i think he wants to play for a big market team that's always being showcased in primetime games they, here's the thing i don't know if anyone really takes is, is otani is gonna be uh, gonna get that attention regardless of where he plays. You just hope like, he ends it, up on a team that can consistently put him in the postseason. Yes, that's the main thing. I I would I want to see him. I want to see. I'd love to see. He's basically we're an Antani away from being like you know I like really I'd say almost like we're pretty close to being in it with the Dodgers. I mean we're like we're a good starting pitcher away. He's more than a middle of a rotation starter. He's I'm not he's quite an ace. ace he, sign him. Yeah, he's an ace who I don't know if they'd have him. Like he's I, I are they Angels doing a five man rotation this year or are they still doing the six man rotation? Um, I think they're doing five. Okay, so I mean if he's getting the same amount of starts as any other starting pitcher, he's an ace, so he's better than Gallon immediately. Uh and then we're missing a big bat in the line. Our DH is immediately like the best hitter in the league. So I mean, debatably, I think Acuna in a hot year and some other guys uh, in peak year can outdo him. But on a year-to-year basis, he's going to be the best hitter in the league. Yeah, just as a reference, Otani as a hitter has 5.8 F4. Yeah. So, he's going to have one of the best all-time seasons. So I think, like, no, it's not is, outright. That's what is, we need to see. We need to see the Diamondbacks at least try to make signings like that. That they're makes like that diligence. kind of signing. They're going to do their due diligence and give an offer. I just don't know how competitive it'll be. And if that's they, the real question. If they have a prayer, uh, and I don't know if they really have a prayer of signing him because he's not going to get the same exposure in Arizona as he would in Los Angeles or Seattle. 
Yeah, I get that. I just don't know necessarily if that's what he's... He might actually like being in a smaller market. I don't think he cares. You know? I don't think he cares. I think he just wants to win. So that's why I think We're that, you know, it. I mean... Actually, it's hard. To if I'm him, it's... then I'd sign with the Dodgers. If that's the criteria. Or Seattle. I mean, if, it's, if your goal is to win, is to win, I don't think Arizona is the place. Now, if your goal is to basically be the star player, yes, I think Arizona is a good place. It'd yeah, be a good place. If he, wa- if he wants to be the difference maker, Arizona might be the place. That's kind of where I'm at. The is difference not, maker, no matter where he goes. For for us, I really think he's like he he does a lot more for the D backs than he would for some other teams. I just, uh, I mean, I do agree with you, but I'm trying to frame frame that in the lens of okay, like does that make? I think it makes a lot of sense, honestly. Uh, I hope that we have a competitive bid. I mean, the dude is having a ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, imagine putting that forty home run power in our lineup right now. He's got eight WAR right now, which is probably what Acuna is going to finish the season with. Yeah. Okay. Imagine, imagine having him instead of Mad Bum or Davies in the lineup or in, in the rotation. Yeah, Acuna's at six WAR. If you want to compare, that's nuts. Acuna is having a remarkable season. Uh, I don't even. I feel so this. bad for him. I think he made a monkey's paw wish of like being the most talented guy ever, but they're going to, he's going to get hit a lot. Like the way he gets out is you got to pitch him, you know, high and up. And uh, that's the monkey's paw wish is like, yes, you will be one of the most talented position players in baseball, but you're going to get plunked a lot. Are you talking about, oh yeah. And Cunha got hit yesterday and is day to day. He was pissed off at that. He actually had to leave the game, and it's like he was very upset, slammed the bat in the ground. I feel like that's like after seeing that, it's like a monkey's father. <laughs> like he's been plunked so what? many. Like Marlins notably have Alonzo too. By the way, they have that's they have really. That's how you pitch to him. It's not just. Uh, I mean, the Marlins actually were just plunking him, like Mattingly, uh, like literally was telling pitchers, "It's like, oh, just plunk him." It's like messed up i don't i don't i ain't gonna feel that i don't i don't i don't i'm not of the type of i never think it's really justified to intentionally hit a player especially with how hard these guys throw these days like you could kill someone they weren't trying to hit him acuna was batting as the tying run oh yeah yesterday was a hundred percent uh that was unintentional you could see that i forgot who was pitching but he was clearly upset and i like his velocity was way down actually after that that hit by pitch. So it affected him as a pitcher. That's you don't want to hit any people, but when you're you see it intentionally done, which is what the Marlins had been had done to him in previous years, uh, it is upsetting. And I would argue that those were intentional. That he's just just too often for it to be anything but intentional. Yeah, if he wasn't wearing that elbow guard, I think he'd be done for the season. Oh, that that yeah, he said his his arm was his hand was numb. That's why they took him out of the game. He like it could not. He flush couldn't. on the el- it hit him flush on the elbow guard. Fortunately, yeah, the elbow guard took some of the sting out of it. That's why you have it. But obviously, yeah. it's not going to make it hurt less. It still, it still hurts. It Even still hurts having the full armor on. I've been plunk right wearing full armor. Okay, like Barry Bond style guard on your whole arm. It yeah. still hurts. Craig Biggio, who weaponized. You have that. someone. Yeah, I I used to think like, oh hey yeah, if I was a hitter, I would do that. Nah. Not fam, you don't want to get hit by 100 mile per hour fastballs. It's not fun. Over 97 mile an hour sinker. Oh, hey, yeah, like even that. In. A 90 per mile an hour per hour pitch still hurts. 
Like pretty much anything that you get thrown at is going to hurt other than like a knuckle. So, uh, yeah, no, no, you don't, no, you don't just lean into pitches to get on base. And also like, we're actually seeing that not called. That. It's happened a couple times this year of guys who've leaned into pitches and the umpire is like, nah, you need to lean into that. So it's becoming more common for umpires to not just give it to a player. Batter do- this is what the batter does. Ooh, uh... So it looks like they're trying to get out of the way, but yeah. they're sticking their elbow into it. Conford- yeah, that's Conford- there's a whole. I'll just shoot some some video of doing that, but it's like you're you basically you're you're like you literally you lean into it. Like there's a way to do it where you just lean into the pitch and you get hit. And very if you're not, there's an art form to it. Of yeah. making it look like an accidental plunking of like, oh, Craig oh my career. bad. Yeah, Biggio was a master of that. Um, Tim Lucaster was actually pretty good at that too. Tim Lucaster was very good at leaning in p- pitches. Um, That's because Tim Lucaster had a baseball magnet in his wallet. Yeah, I think that was just his skill. It's like, okay, you're going to be a major leaguer. Monkey polish. I want to be a major leaguer. Okay, you'll be a major leaguer, but it's because you have an elite uh, hit by pitch Castro skill. Had one defining trait. Oh yeah, physical measurable. I mean, you talk about speed. It's like okay, as long as he doesn't break, as long as the pitch doesn't break, so he has a habit of getting hit with break off speed pitches too. In the wallet, it's like okay, he's on base. And of course, Tim Castro is coming up to the plate wearing body armor. Body armor. Well, and he's good. not even. It's and he's not even like trying to walk in the pitch. They're just bad at pitching. Teams are just, for whatever reason, bad at hitting, at pitching inside to him. I think that's that's a challenge for a lot of pitchers. Is pitching like the high inside is not, it's not as easy as you think. And I, uh, I mean, the thing that I, I okay, here's how you hit, a, hit if you're gonna hit someone intentional. First of all, you pluck them in the ass or the ribs if you really want it to. Or hurt. the if you want it to hurt, yeah, the ribs. But you could break someone's rib. If you want to be nice about it, you throw it and you hit it in their ass because, they're like, at best, it's just gonna relieve bruise. And it's like the most padded part of your body, so it's gonna be the least amount of damage. That's how you fairly plunk someone. Um, so yeah, you don't hit someone in the hands or anywhere that's breakable. It's messed up people's careers and livelihoods are on the line. That's I just don't agree with that by ethically. By the way, looking at Biggio's career. Hit by pitch, 285 for his career, and isn't isn't a record, but he had seasons of 20. But he led the National League in hit by pitches in five separate seasons, and as many as 34 in 1987. That was his his best year in OPS Plus at 143, and he was fourth in the MVP voting. The same with the the theme of umpiring, we've been kind of the through line for today. Uh, Lou Williams. That's a story right there. He is just called up to uh, the MLB as an umpire, and he was 0 for 3 in reviews. He had three calls overturned in his debut game, which is unheard of. Uh, do you think he gets another chance, or is he going to be sent I mean, back down? How close down? were those calls? Wait, are you sure it was Lou Williams? Uh, yeah, Lou Williams. We see. Let's see. Misses first call in the second inning when Washington's oh, our, our D-back friend and uh, alumni, uh, farm system alumnus Eldemar Vargas was called out on a bad throw by 
uh, Zach Wheeler, that was overturned. Bryce Harper's foot was off bag and Vargas was ruled safe. Uh, and third, Nick Castellanos was called out at first on a long throw from third by Vargas. Philly's challenge and the replay showed Castellanos beat the throw. Call tape tape review. Uh, Williams again called Castellanos at, out at starter Trevor Williams' pickoff attempt. Uh, Phillies challenged it. Again, replay showed he was safe. So all three of those calls were, were overturned. What's with Castellanos being involved in stuff like that? Well, if you know, if you talk about serious topics, that guy's going to hit a home run. Yep. Well, I hope, I hope. It's turned into. If, it's only, like, if only the Orioles were playing Washington uh, only, tomorrow. You know, if they were talking about uh, Kevin Brown during the or- during that game, I bet you he would have hit a home run. I'm surprised oh, that the Phillies broadcast team didn't try that. Uh, hindsight, maybe they'll try that today. Nah, you, maybe. You, and it's like it's like anti. You can't force it. Yeah, you really. It's kind of. I feel the Kevin Brown situation has gotten kind of ridiculous. Where uh, oh. everyone is piled on. It's pi- everyone is piled on every single broadcast booth. Diamondbacks, the only reason did that Diamondbacks mentioned that yesterday. I wasn't no. really, I didn't have the, I was, I was just listening to the music while I was watching the game. So if they did, it was either pre or post game. Like I said, You'd probably, probably pre game then. So that was um, first game after that news filtered in. You never know. I could always go back and listen to it. I, I, around the elite. I mean, that's the main. I think there's their main news here. Um, trying to see if there's anything else. I mean, we're going to be playing the Padres in a three-game set coming up. Um, yeah, we'll worry about that one more so when we get to Friday's show. Yeah, so is there a day off today? No, they play the Dodgers again today. We talked about Bobby Miller yesterday. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yeah, check out yesterday's episode, too. We broke down Bobby Miller yeah, so for about five minutes. I forget what day of the week Watch it the is. Gun when he pitches. So let's talk. So did we Mer- talk about Merrill Kelly that much, or did we just look at the numbers? No, we didn't. So yeah, we, Merrill we, Kelly's numbers against the Dodgers are not very good. Fourteen starts, he's zero and ten with an ERA of five and a half, five four five ERA, and the lowest strikeout to walk ratio against any team that has more that has five or more starts. That has five or more starts against. It's like two to one. I didn't look up uh, how the Dodgers were doing against him. Yeah, we did not. We did not do that. So let's talk about Merrill Kelly and tomorrow's tonight's game. Bobby Miller. Like, I mean, you got we got to see them take this game. Like, if you really want to preserve any chance of like the playoffs, they have to win today's game. This is a must-win game. It's a must-win game, and it's August 9th. Well, the must-win game was July 9th. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. But they really are going to have to to turn the like we talked about yesterday they, to turn the season around. They have to win tonight. They got to win the series against the Padres. Oh, this is uh, season numbers. I don't want that. I don't know how you pull. Okay, so against the Dodgers' career, they are hitting three oh two with an eight eighty four OPS and thirty five extra base hits and. Uh, 323 batters faced. So basically, they're hitting like an all star against them. Yeah, that's. Don't like that. I don't like that. 
So do you think, I mean, what do you, how do you think the Diamondbacks are going to do? What's their record against Bobby Miller? Never faced them. Like they've never faced him. So uh, hopefully they, they can Because remember win. Miller was in OKC and the D-backs took three or four in April. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, he's actually has pretty good stuff. Uh, now that I correctly remember that he, you know, that yeah, I think, uh, I think I covered some... his peripherals too. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. Uh, yesterday so is I the, almost uh, see which pitches are doing the deep. So look at which pitches are severely underperforming. So we look at the sweeper, although it's a sample size of 14 pitches. So we were going to rule that out. Like it's a 532 versus X of 251. For uh, the sinker is not really addressed. It's, the slider is the next pitch that's underperforming. So yeah, the slider, I think. I'm not sure what the, sh- I'll have to take a look. We'll have to take a look, see how that slider looks, but it's nine. It's over 90 miles an hour and it has, it's got good stuff. Certainly has what defines good stuff. I hear the okay. Yeah, it has in, above in terms average of, movement. Above average movement. He's got acceptable velocity. Um, I think. Stuff. I mean, I'll, my my expectation of tonight's game is that he's going to dominate them, and you know, shut them, shut out the Diamondbacks, and no hit them for six innings. That's my expectation That's... at this point. Like Diamondbacks will be no hit for the first six innings, and then uh, they'll lose. 28 to 2. Is there a way going with that prediction again? On this blasted website? I'm not sure how you do that. All right, we're going to screw, we're going to mess around and find out. And if it works, we'll just upload it as a video. So, what did I just do? Pitching, player. No, I don't want, no, I do want player stat. I'm trying to figure out how do I get to. Uh... Okay, let's try plus stats. Yeah, I think that's how you do it. Not the plus stats I was hoping for. Wait a minute. These are hitters. Wait. No, these are pitchers. Can I get Bobby Miller plus stat? Okay, so s- sample size for these players are nothing. Pitch types. Uh, all right. I think I think I got it now. So let's go starters. Team. And maybe we'll do an exercise with the Dimebacks as well with this. Let's do Dodgers first. Dodgers start. Wait, what? Why? Are there guys that have one? Dodgers must have done a bullpen game a long time ago. Okay, so Bobby Miller, in terms of, okay, let's try pitch, is that pitch type work? Pitch type, pitch modeling. Yeah. Okay, so we look at, actually, what happens if I hit pitching plus? No. Wait, yes. This works out. I'm just confused. Well, Mike, you're figuring this out, and you're watching this. Like and subscribe, leave a comment, and if you know how to do this, let us know the best way to do it. All right, Stuff Plus, Bobby Miller, number one. So no question he has the best stuff. But his fastball and uh, sinker are close to average. Okay. 
So I said well, he's got enough, this. That's not the pitchers that are underperforming. His sinker, on uh, his sinker, is right around the X and the reg and the actual Woba are right within each other. Same with the four seamer. Just verifying real quick. While uh, Wes is on the radio. Over. Yeah. So, like and subscribe, leave a comment. Hit that notification so yeah, bell. Xwoba is under is overperforming. I mean, is 30, 60 points higher than is actual with the four seamer. But I feel like. Okay, so, all right. So back to the plus. So, also the secondary stuff is what's driving this up. Although I find it interesting, his stuff plus is much higher than any of his individual pitches. That the sum is greater than the parts. Location is okay. Location is good, it's satisfactory, and it's a one. This does oh, not dispel the notion that they're going to dom- dominate the Diamondbacks like this. This, uh, this says to me to kill time. Let's look. Yeah, let's this do says D-backs to now. me. This says to me that Bobby Miller is likely to shut down the Diamondbacks tonight. Um, we I'd like about to see overperforming. Yeah, oh. he's he's underperforming his peripherals. Which D-backs pitcher has the best stuff plus, and what's the number? I don't know. Gallon. Yeah, guess the number. Anderson. Oh, uh, I don't know. One thirty-six. One hundred six. This is starting pitchers. Okay. So I don't know what the stuff plus thing is about or not. It's like it's no, it's you know I think it's worth noting that Brandon Fox there with the one hundred four stuff plus. That's uh, I mean, clearly, I mean he's got some below ad average numbers there in his. Uh, For the his record, neither and curve, neither Wes or I are necessarily experts on pitch modeling, or we couldn't tell you what this stuff means. We're just having a little bit of fun here. Yeah, we learn. We you know you can learn along with us, and that's really the uh, the key point here is you can learn with us. Oh no, um, my cursor's rebelling against me again. Brandon fought like his his overall. I mean, you know, the curveball and the the change, like we've talked about, like he needs some work there, but he's got good. Like the rest of his uh, pitches are above average, so like that's overall. I mean, only him and Ryan Nelson. And Gallon are above average by stuff plus. So, says hmm. to me that. So, if you look at this plus stat, it says the D back should hold on to Nelson. Yeah, I think so. Sure. And fought as well. And that Kelly. That's, For the record, we're ignoring I, Jose Ruiz because he, one, he's not on the team, and two, he sucks. He sucks as a reliever. Yeah, absolutely. This, only count, this, only, this is only one game. Let's. Uh, I mean, would it be crazy to trade away Merrill Kelly uh, for, Kelly's you know, not a big, well, I always knew Kelly was never a big stuff guy. He's always, he always beat you with location. Yeah. He's uh, definitely very good at working with what he has. Um, I almost think that the diamond should sell, sell like, I mean, sell high quote unquote on him this off season. I mean, I think they could not necessarily, I'm not saying have fire sale. I'm saying make some moves to, to inject some new talent. I mean, he's probably like one of the most valuable trade chips that Diamondbacks have. Some on the in terms of like this controllable starting pitching. So we can 
which of course we. All right. I mean, so of course, you still need to have controllable starting pitching, but if you can get back that in a trade, you know, some younger guys with more, you know, more years of control, you do it. So if you look at the pitching plus for some of these guys, obviously your top five gallon, then fought, uh, then, uh, Kelly and Ryan Nelson for your top four are the only ones above a hundred. And you got Davies and Henry down below followed by they released Madison Bumgarner. I said to 10. So it would show Bumgarner, but not no bullpen games. Yeah. I mean, it's. Tommy Henry's kind of like, he's gotten better results than his, than what he has. Like, he very much, he's reaching his ceiling there. I don't know if there's much more room for improvement. He might be another guy. Like, if you don't really believe that he can sustain what he's done this year, you trade him in the offseason. I mean, here's the million dollar question. What is. What is the number five star look on this kind of thing? Yeah. Pull up the Dodgers. It could, it might be closer to Tommy Henry than you think. Dodgers aren't a good example. Oh, yeah. They, they really aren't. Um, I'm trying to think of a good team. To... Pull up Atlanta. Atlanta really hasn't had a consistent five, fifth starter either. I think it it's not because. You. All right. Maybe the Rays. Okay, I set the minimum to 10. I don't think there should be any relievers. May have to go higher, but... Strider's obviously going to be number one. I mean, Freed hasn't had much of a sample size. Charlie Morton. Okay. Remember, 100 is average. Look at the location (laughs) plus numbers on some of these guys. Like, that's really where they stand out, is these guys are, like, excellent at locating their pitches. Yeah, this is pitch modeling, necessarily necessarily which i feel like is again it's not easy to conceptualize publicly it's just it's very it is very hard to wrap your head around all this like i said if you're interested in this kind of stuff you know saris who writes for the athletic also does his own set of podcasts definitely want to follow him on yes i i highly recommend you do yeah this is more his this is more his house and ours and speaking of ours we're going to be wrapping up here that little fun exercise. So Wes, you know remember, remember, like and subscribe, leave a comment, hit that notification button bell, follow us on Twitter at Michael McDNLB and at Buyer Wesley. We're on Facebook now. Follow us there. Um, on leave the diamond it, you Facebook can, page, and you can also donate tips to us on Twitter. I don't know if you've got that enabled. I do. Any no. donations that you give to. Any donations that you give to me will go to this podcast and YouTube show so we can make it better. Alternatively, if you don't want to donate over Twitter, there's always Patreon. And there's always Patreon. Uh, Once we have some more subscribers, we'll have a lot more. Once we get more than, like, we get a person on Patreon, we'll have some exclusive content for you. Uh, We're kind of exploring what we have. So remember, uh, follow us tomorrow at 10. Uh, We'll be back back tomorrow we'll hopefully not talk about a series sweep hopefully and i hope you're having a great day and i hope whoever watches this has a great day thanks for watching thanks everyone for being here